0: Welcome to Riding the Waves of Life, a Boundary Family Services podcast. Hello families, we are here today with Richard Pichet. He's the Deputy Fire Chief of the Grand Forks Fire Department. And he's here to talk about the Too Hot for Tots program. So thank you for coming and joining us. My pleasure. So how long have you been delivering this program for?
1: Mm, I took the training for it in 2018, and I think I've visited you guys two or three times now. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: It's an awesome program. Families learn so much from it. So I'm really happy that you're here to talk about it today. So yeah, tell us about it. Sure.
1: So this program started, and it was a collaboration between B.C. Children's Hospital and the Burn Fund, which is a burn fund that's run by Vancouver firefighters, and what the B.C. Children's Hospital, the head of the burn unit for children there, discovered that uh, a lot of these burns that they were having come in on children were, for the most part, almost 100 percent preventable, and so in collaboration together they came out with this program called Too Hot for Tots, and. The idea was to educate parents on some of the things you can do around your home to make your uh, toddlers safer around the home. So the, the key items here that we can do are um, hot liquids, your thermostat on your hot water heater, and just hot surfaces and basically Keeping an eye on toddlers is, is the gist of it. It
0: can be hard. It can be really hard <laughs> at the best of times.
1: It can be really hard, but some of these some of these things are quite simple. For example, a lot of people don't realize um, that their hot water tank, by default, when when it comes into your home, it's set at uh, a quite high temperature up to 60 degrees which can scald a young toddler in seconds we don't need our water to be that hot to do all the things we need to do in day-to-day showers laundry all that we can actually lower the temperature um, down to 49 degrees and that same person or child putting their 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 uh, skin under that temperature would take up to 10 minutes so we can still do our day-to-day stuff safely And we've reduced the amount of injury that a toddler would have by accidentally uh, turning on hot water. So that's a really easy one that once it's done, it's done. Doesn't mean you don't have to check the water. You still need to check the temperature. They still will be burned at 49 degrees. They just won't be scalded as bad and as quickly.
0: What's the best way to check the temperature?
1: The best way, if you don't have a thermometer, which we all don't, is use a sensitive part of your skin so the your elbow or your forearm will be very sensitive. If that tells you that it that it's okay and you've mixed the water thoroughly, because we all know that um, one end of the tub will be hotter than the other as as we're mixing the water or trying to get it to temperature. So mix it up, check it with your arm, and if it's good enough for your arm, it's probably good enough for your little one
0: okay so like forearm wrist elbow yeah, that's yeah. okay
1: yeah don't use our it depends on and how tough your hand is but we send tend to be less sensitive with our hands right so by using uh the other body parts that are a little more uh sensitive skin you'll you'll be more realistic to your child right yep
0: and then do you have tips for changing the temperature on yeah your-
1: it's it's very easy um with a gas um water heater is just as simple as going down to the thermostat. They're usually a red dial and some of them are in Fahrenheit or centigrade and some of them are just simply cool off medium warm or high and you want to set that to medium or warm or 49 degrees if you have that option. Right. Yeah the kicker is if you have an electric water tank we can't do that because it'll actually form bacteria in the water which we don't want so then we have to get a plumber And they can install what's called a mixing valve. You don't necessarily have to have it at every tap. um, Recommended, but for sure at the tub or any place that you think your toddler would have access. Mm -hmm. They can control it and put in what's called a mixing valve. And that'll set that to 49 degrees for you. Right. Yeah.
0: And I also remember the recommendation, too, of you can't rely on older siblings keeping everything safe in the tub uh, as far as, you know, them playing with the taps and stuff like that it's not a good idea
1: not a good idea at all and remember it's just a slip of of a hand or a handle and the next thing you know you've you've twisted the hot water on its own and now you're you're dumping scolding water potentially mm-hmm. in there so yeah uh you want to make sure that you have an adult with them at all times and they're never left unattended
0: yeah and that that's also for drowning hazards 100 yeah
1: 100 percent. so that's the one fairly easy step that you can take the other thing is making sure your hot liquids that uh like something as simple as a hot cup of coffee or or tea or whatever your choice of beverage is that put it in a mug something with a spill-free lid um when you're around your toddlers it's You know, we all like to have our morning coffees and teas and stuff, and that will prevent a potential spill either by the person drinking it or being left on a counter or something like that. So when you're around them, we're all doing multiple activities at the same time. It just gives that other layer of safety that if it does accidentally spill over, it's not going to potentially spill on yourself or your toddler. Right. Yeah. So, and then, so that's the hot liquid part. And that includes hot liquids on the stove, kettles, anything that they can grab, a cord on the counter that goes to a kettle, crock pot, stuff like that. If they can reach the the cord, they're going to reach for it and grab it and and, and just see what happens. And if they get the heavy end of of a crock pot or or a boiling pot of tea, it's not going to be good. No, that would be horrible. Yeah, so we can prevent those by by just making those things, as we should for, for even adults, we can accidentally bump into those things. So keep those things so they can't accidentally get hooked on or pulled on Mm -hmm. same with the pots handles make sure those are turned in stuff like that anything we can do to make the environment safer yeah or just keep them out of the environment you know when you're cooking and stuff like that if you have to gate that off or have them off in a different area if you have that ability then then that's good too
0: Yeah, because some kids are more curious than others too, right? Like you'll have the kids that will stay on the floor and happily play with Tupperware, but there's the other kids that are just so into what are you doing? Right. Yeah. They're
1: very, very curious and they they want to touch and and be part of everything, 100%. The last part of it is, and I kind of have already touched on this, is hot services. Something people don't realize is even the pilot light on your fireplace can create enough heat on that glass for them to severely burn themselves. So if that's the type of fireplace that you might have, make sure you put proper protection around it, some type of fencing or something like that. If they can access the switch to turn that fireplace on, you wanna make sure that you have some kind of a control there that they can't access that because once the fireplace is lit, that'll get up to temperatures almost as hot as your oven. And that'll mm-hmm. be very scalding on that glass. Mm-hmm. So keep that area protected, um, just to prevent that from happening. It happens more than we think. Um, we just assume if a fireplace is on, on not on, it must be cold, and, and not always the case.
0: Well, and then also the time it takes after you turn it off for the glass to almost cool. an hour, almost yeah.
1: an hour, like forty-five minutes for that to come down to yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Good point.
0: Well, I just remember the video of the dad talking about his child putting their hand on that glass and the damage it did oh my god
1: yeah it's the thing about burns compared to other injuries and this is what i've learned from the experts and the people who who are in the field that that have to deal with people who are severely burned not only do you have the physical injury but it leaves a, a a very severe mental mark Mm. compared to when we, you know, break our arms or cut ourselves, those seem to go and, and we forget about them. Because there's such pain involved, it puts a mental imprint and sometimes it takes a lifetime right. to get that out of your mind. It's something that, that you people who have been burned, they, they never forget. It, it leaves yeah. an imprint for sure. So there's that psychological mm. effect to it as well.
0: Well, I remember as a kid, I burnt the top half of part of my hand on a wood stove because I wasn't paying attention and I was standing beside it, and I just my hand leaned out and it just sizzled. I remember my sister put it under water and you could hear it go ts. Right. And it. I still have a scarring from it, but I remember. <laughs> it that's hurts. that's
1: the other part is you're you're a lot of times left with a visual scar yeah. that that gives you that visual reminder. Yeah. Um, forever. So that's a good segue into into the last part I want to talk about. And that's, if it does happen, it might just be a minor burn, like what you, uh, well, yours sounded pretty severe. But to stop the burning, there's some some old wild tales still out there, butter or oil, creams, or even ice. Those should never be used. Okay, we want to get this under cold water as soon as possible. The seconds count. The quicker you get the burn under cold water, the less damage there'll be on the skin and the less pain. Mm-hmm. And we want to keep it on there for at least a minute, if not more. Okay, There there's you. You can run it as long as you need to to comfort whatever the injury is to a point where then you have to seek medical attention. Mm-hmm. And the rule of thumb there is if a blister develops on young children, anything larger than a loony or anything in the groin or face area needs uh, immediate medical attention. because well, um, a
0: loony is actually it's a big. large. Yeah, bit of space, yeah, Yeah, surface area on a kid.
1: So hands, groin, and feet, which are super sensitive, Mm -hmm. need need medical attention, um, even if they're smaller. And if you're seeing that it's blistering and stuff, and like you said, it will sizzle. um, It will blister on the spot, but it's that cooling effect that's going to limit the amount of of damage.
0: And so why, I mean, I understand grease, (laughs) why you wouldn't put that on there. Uh, I know that lots of people do use ice, though, is there... What's the reason I, I behind it? I it? think
1: it it actually does some damage to the skin as compared to just running cool right. water, which just runs off. I think it can actually cause damage to the skin that's not burned. Mm, interesting. Right? The Too Hots for Tot program, they are updating this in a sense that they're going to have on the, uh, it's called burnfund.org. So again, burnfund.org on their website. There's great videos that when I go out and present this that are there and available for people to watch but they're also have developed they're just finalizing an interactive kind of a click and play program that They've created scenarios, and as a parent, you can remedy situations that they've put in front of you. And it's fun and interactive. I watched the demonstration for it. It's, it's quite simple and easy to use, and I, and I think it'll be good for parents to see this ahead of time and go, okay, that's the decision I need to make, or these are all the ways that I can burn-proof uh, my home. So we'll see what, what, it, what it comes out, but what I have saw in the demo phase, it, it looked quite good.
0: That's exciting because then it's also available anytime the parents are able to actually do it, right? So they can actually access it when they're like, hey, I have time to do this right now. And also learning through play is one of the best ways to retain information. So I think that's really smart of them for putting to get that together. So that's exciting. I think so
1: too. It wasn't done just on a whim. They had a lot of, uh, of, of great knowledge behind what would be the best delivery of this type of 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 program. They had the new head burn surgeon from children's hospital and they actually had a, a retiree, a fellow I wouldn't quite call her a colleague, but uh, somebody who's the a retired she was a deputy fire chief. She was also a firefighter. Twenty-five plus years in Kelowna. Super helpful f- to me when I when I got in this job of, of helping me out in fire prevention. And in her retirement, with all her knowledge, she was the one who actually taught me this program. She joined in collaboration with them to give it from her perspective and all her insight of what she saw in the field as a firefighter and a fire prevention educator. So
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be a great program. I'm excited. Yeah, we just That's got good. to get it
1: out there and make, make it known that people can access it and how to yeah. access it and so on.
0: Yeah, and also because it's online, it means that families can access it from all around the world too. Right. Yeah, which is really great. Right. The, yeah.
1: Something I learned um, when I was learning about the update, which is quite cool, what the Burn Fund does is they actually have a camp that kids who have been burned can go to, and they can go to forever.
0: Oh, really? So it can
1: happen to them. There's kids who, who have had burn injuries when they were children. As early as this one group, they were in their teens, and it happened to them when they were four, and they still go to the camp every year to support other children that this happens to. That's so, amazing. Yeah, and it's all funded by the Burn Fund, oh, which wow. is money that's raised through the Vancouver Firefighters yeah. Association. So it's, yeah, what a great program. That right?
0: is amazing. That yeah. is so cool. hmm Well, because it, like we were saying, like burns leave horrible scars sometimes. And depending on where you get it and all the things and the skin stays sensitive for the rest of your life and uh, it can be really damaging. So that's wonderful that they have a program that can support those kids through the physical, mental, emotional, all those things that go along with it. Right.
1: Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Uh, if I ever get the opportunity to pers- participate, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely. Oh, yeah. jump on it. Yeah, for sure. yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: And I know today that you brought some information about holiday safety, which I think would be a good idea to just cover because we're kind of getting into that time right now. And I saw that spreadsheet that you have, and it looks great. So if absolutely, you could that, um, we're getting
1: into the 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 holiday safety. Snow came here, and the cold came here quicker than I think uh,
0: <laughs> any of us wished for. <laughs> It us- was like summer, <laughs> winter. Yeah, a lot of us weren't, weren't ready. That, that's yeah.
1: myself included. I didn't have any snow shovels or plows. Or- yeah. So um, there's just some simple things. Some of the big ones are the portable heaters, the electric heaters. Those are a big one. So we want to make sure that we give them the space that's needed. Um, we want to make sure that we don't plug them in to power bars. We want to plug straight into the electrical outlet. They, they are a huge draw of electricity. And if we overload them with a, a power bar, um, we could potentially uh, have the power bar fail and and lead to a fire. Candles. Some people still love candles. They especially love them at the holiday time. Make sure that we we do our due diligence when it comes to candles. We're putting them out. We're, we're not leaving them unattended. Blowing them out when we're done with them.
0: Leaving them out of reach of our children. That kind of stuff. wax es- especially horribly I, bad.
1: I'm terrified of candles. I've just seen it too much, to be honest, that I just don't like them. I don't see why we need them anymore. To be honest, I think the technology's there to create that same type of ambiance with all the cool things that we have, that why have the potential um, for a candle to cause a fire. I just don't see the need for it. If we have all these other things, it's kind of like, that's how I feel in some instances, not always. There's a time and a place for campfires, but we have these propane campfire burn pits they don't mm-hmm. leave a smell they're quickly lit they're very safe and you get similar effect it, yeah it's not quite the same but we have it at our disposal yeah. so why not use it right? and they're
0: spark free spark free so, yeah.
1: there's no embers that fly on yeah. it, all that stuff so there's there's lots of pros uh, especially you know we're seeing these we, we just had a wildfire yeah. a month ago i know a month ago Nuts. right we we should that used to not happen in no. in the fall ever yeah. No. So, yeah, things are dry, and they're dry late in the season and the start of the spring mm-hmm. more than they've ever been. Entertaining. Making sure that we're looking after our guests and that if we're having people visit with small children and maybe we don't have children, that, that we keep that in mind and we keep our matches and our lighters locked up in the cabinet. Making sure we stay in the kitchen when we're cooking. That's mm-hmm. a huge one. People get easily distracted as they're visiting and doing their stuff and it's still the number one cause of, of home fires is leaving stuff on the stove, stove. unattended. Yeah. Yep. Some people still smoke. If they smoke, have them smoke outside. Make sure that they dispose of their smoking inter- materials correctly. Okay, and making sure that children again can't can't get in touch with those stuff. Yes. Yep. Smoke alarms. It's a good time to make sure um, we have family and guests and people that are that are maybe spending weekends or length of time. Not that that's a reason you should be doing this, but it should be reminding you that you might have somebody sleeping in a room that they don't normally sleep, or even a bedroom, and test that alarm. Make sure you have enough alarms. Make sure you're meeting the recommendation of one in every bedroom, one in the outside adjoining room, and one on each floor. That's the recommendation. Make sure you're testing them monthly. Make sure you're changing the batteries yearly and getting new ones every 10 years. It's amazing how many homes do not have enough.
0: Yeah. Well, I think lots of people don't even realize when they move in, right? They just assume and regulations have changed over the decades right right and then you just right and
1: we do have a lot of what we would call legacy homes in Grand Forks Mm -hmm. and in the boundary and that wasn't the code back then you know you might have one or two in the whole house yeah and we know from what we've seen that that's just not enough and it's doesn't give you enough notice and it's the things that we have in our house seven thousand pounds of plastic in the average home wow yeah 7,000 pounds of plastic. So that's everything, our furniture, everything around us, all the cabinets, everything has some form of plastic or glue or something that's highly toxic and highly flammable. So you have precious minutes and that's what the smoke alarms are going to do for you is give you that early notification so you can get out safely.
0: And it's just a little thing too, right? They're They're not super expensive and they're easy to install. It's just taking the time and thinking about it.
1: Right, 100%. The last piece of that is um, carbon monoxide detectors. Mm. Now you can get them a complete combination unit. But if you're just going to keep the smoke alarms you have because they're not in need of change, a a carbon monoxide detector on each floor is suffice. It used to be that you had to have them, they thought you had to have them installed low to the ground. That's not the case. They will detect, doesn't matter where they are okay. and where they're plugged in. So they can be uh, a combination unit on the ceiling like a smoke alarm. Mm-hmm. Those are great. We And the reason we need those is we're, we're firing up the fireplace again as mm-hmm. it's getting cold. We're firing up the whatever means of heat. Anything that is fuel fired can create carbon monoxide. Right. Okay, and that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. And a lot of people mix up natural gas smell with carbon monoxide. They're not the same. Uh, Carbon monoxide is a byproduct of insufficient burn. So Mm -hmm. that can be your gas fireplace. That can be your gas furnace. That can be your car in your carport or garage, which has become a big one. Uh, A lot of people with the auto starters are starting their cars in their enclosed garage. Which that exhaust has nowhere to go. Yeah, Okay. And, and over time, a lot of times these things are over time. Carbon monoxide will give you that early detection.
0: Okay. Right. I never even thought about that for people with their self-starting cars because you're warming them up. You're not even thinking about it. Right. Right. That's a good one. For the carbon monoxide, that's interesting to know that it doesn't have to be close to the ground because I think probably a lot of people think about it that way still. When did they change that? When did they figure that out?
1: Some engineer who probably <laughs> realized yeah. that, hey guys, we really don't need it. it, it carbon monoxide doesn't lie low. It's not a gas that sits low right. to the ground, so you have it. it. It It is just in the atmosphere it right. and it's completely odorless. It has yeah. no taste, no smell. We will not know. The difference is that the detectors, they can detect such a low level, so they will be detecting it before you even rem- start to get any of the symptoms. Right Now, I've only in 15 years had cases of people who were starting to show slight symptoms of carbon monoxide mm-hmm. and oddly enough both of them were home for long periods of time with all the windows and doors closed right and they started to feel ill almost like headache flu-like sort of symptoms and it took you know a long period of time three or four days of them home right. for whatever reason okay it usually takes a buildup. where i've seen the alarms go off. Not to say that your heating mechanism might not have a severe fault, but it's usually not the case. It's usually, it's very subtle and it'll happen when you've gone away on vacation and now you've realized your furnace isn't quite burning as inefficiently and right. you come home and the alarm's going off.
0: Right. Okay. okay.
1: So it, it's... They call it the slow killer yeah, for a reason. It doesn't just hit you and knock you out. Yeah, it's it cumulative. Takes, it, yeah, it's yeah. cumulative. And thus, the, the PPMs say it would take, you know, 3,000 or so. I'm just giving a rough mm-hmm. number. Um, I can't remember exactly. Um, before you would start seeing symptoms, well, a carbon monoxide detector can read like 0.1 right right? so yeah it's gonna tell you 10 where you go oh there's something not right and then if that does happen you need to get a hold of a certified uh, technician and have them come to your home and I have followed behind them when we've gone on on fire calls Mm -hmm. for this and they found it quite quickly they have detectors they go around the house they check all the devices and if there is a leak of any sort that's that's causing that and sometimes it's just in connections or your appliance was due for maintenance and, mm-hmm. and you haven't had it done. And it's usually uh, just a matter of a fix or a replacement right. or something like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Usually simple. Well, right. that's good to know. That's yeah. awesome. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to share with us today?
1: Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. This, this was good. I think um, it was perfect timing. We're, we're, we're going to be on holidays here before mm-hmm. we know it. It's always my pleasure to bring the Two Hots for Tots program. And, and I hope people go to the, uh, burnfund.org website and yes. check it out because there's some really great videos that help uh, really hit this home of how severe it can be and also how easy it is to prevent this from happening.
0: Yes. And how easily goal. it can happen without you even... So you, quickly. Yeah. Without even you thinking about it. You didn't even know. Yeah, and that's the the parental guilt too, right? Is you didn't even think about it. And then all of a sudden it happens. So it's good to have some preventative knowledge so that you can work with that.
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Rich. Always a pleasure.
1: Likewise. Take care. You too.
0: Riding the Waves of Life is funded by the Public Health Agency of Canada and provided through Boundary Family Services. All equipment was funded by a grant from the Phoenix Foundation.